Welcome to The Golden Shadow. My name is Alyssa Polizzi. And I'm Aaron Rogerson. And today we're discussing the myth of the flood, one of the most prevalent motifs that we see across cultures. It explores the archetypal dynamics of chaos and complexity, the destructive and cleansing force of nature and God that reveals our weaknesses and blind spots while paving the way for rebirth and redemption. So the flood is present on multiple levels of reality. There is a history of the flood as a symbol in our mythology, mm-hmm. almost as a universal symbol. It seems to come up in a lot of different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this notion of the creation myth that is associated with the flood. Uh, there's looking at the flood as just a catastrophe or disaster mm-hmm. when something goes horribly wrong or something comes along and just destroys everything. Right. There's also a feeling of revolution or rebirth. There's what comes into being after everything has been destroyed or washed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also just this notion of in our individual lives, in our in our society, is sometimes things go wrong and things fall apart. Yeah. Sometimes things happen to you that sort of strip away a lot of what was superficial and leaves behind only what is really deep, what mm-hmm. is what matters. Yeah what's grounded. So there's a lot of complexity here. There's a lot of different, different dimensions that we can be looking at this concept of the flood. Mm. And maybe the best place to start is with the mythology. Yeah. I think that's a nice place to start because it, it certainly lays down a framework where we recognize that in all different, uh, cultures, different times, we see this evolution of a kind of collective uh, experience that's Mm -hmm. been mythologized and kind of lifted up into this national story that has survived uh, to the modern day for us to be able to to, uh, compare and amplify against one another. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the most popular biblical stories, of course, is Noah and the Flood. Right. Um, but that has uh, pretty direct ties to the Epic of Gilgamesh mm. and the Mesopotamian flood story. Mm. We see a very similar story in Greek mythology with Deucalion as well. Mm. In addition, you see it popping up in lots of other areas. Um, Native Americans have some flood myth stories, South America. So there's something going on here, something that's being tapped into in the collective consciousness that seems to speak to some experience, not just, I don't know, realistically, because obviously uh, natural disasters do happen and that might have been woven yeah. into the, to the mythology, mm-hmm. but there's something else that's happening on a psychological level as well. Right. With all these, I mean, virtually everything that we've discussed on this podcast, we're always trying to examine the fact that there's some sort of material, real thing at play here Mm. and there's also our psychological relationship with the material thing and in terms of the flood myth let's say um the fact that it's universal might be because there is a universal experience of disasters Mm. and things going wrong Mm. and there might even be a universal experience of a literal Mm -hmm. flood that most ancient peoples have experienced yeah but beyond that it's not just the flood it could be a sickness it could be mm, a yeah, famine yeah, it could yeah. even be a drought the opposite of a sure, flood it's like sure. when something demolishes our structures yeah um if everyone is starving to death because mm. there's a drought yeah in some sense it's like why has this been um cast upon us this yeah. this terrible event or experience 
Um, but beyond that, there's also the psych, the psychology, the universal psychology, mm. and we're all human, so we all have a, a similar way of looking at the world, of navigating the world, of modeling what's happening to us. Yeah. And there is a shared psychology of um, what you do when things fall apart mm. mm-hmm. and how you even um, frame problems as far as do I need to prepare for a problem that hasn't even happened yet. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's a very conscious thing. Yeah. You don't see animals doing that quite as much, even though there's definitely examples. But the fact that humans say, you know, maybe winter is coming mm-hmm. and I need to prepare for winter yeah. is a weird idea. It's like I'm preparing for something that might happen mm-hmm. months from now, years from now. I don't know. But it's important in the back of my mind to be prepared for that. And that's a, uh, a distinctly human and a universal human psychology, I yeah. would say. Yeah. In a lot of the variants of the flood myth, we see that the dynamic uh, that sort of causes or triggers the flood often Mm. has a lot to do um, with um, some sort of action behavior that's been taken by mankind at that time Mm. that's been judged uh, as um, not good enough, (laughs) um, sinful at times, uh, barbaric, violent uh, disturbing the kind of natural order in some way. Yeah. So we see that in like the Epic of Gilgamesh where um, I believe like the humans have become too noisy. They're disturbing the gods. We mm-hmm. have uh, the Genesis flood myth where, you know, God feels like individuals and humans have become corrupt and filled mm-hmm. with violence. Yeah. Um, in the Greek flood myth, we have Zeus who's no longer happy with the Bronze Age and wants to like wipe out all of humanity. Mm-hmm. So with with each of these dynamics, we're seeing that some sort of universal force, um, something outside of the human scope uh, has has judged humankind in some way to be no longer worthy of, of walking the land and something has to be done about it. Right. And there's this association with higher power, mm. gods. Gods are a universal thing that ancient peoples had some sort of um, some sort of notion of a power that must be negotiated with in some way. Mm. And if you negotiate poorly, like if you don't behave properly, you get punished for it. And so the flood definitely taps into this is that there's some way that humans have been behaving, something they've been doing that's not right. Yeah. And they have to pay the price now. Mm. And that's, I think, um, sounds like a silly idea to some people who are examining it at a very shallow level, but this is, you know, just a truth of, um, our experience Mm. that if, if you don't behave properly, bad things will happen to you. Mm. If you don't wear a seatbelt while you're driving, (laughs) it's easy to say, well, I'm fine. I never get in an accident. So there's no reason to wear a seatbelt. And someone might say, well, God will smite you if you don't Mm. wear a seatbelt by like, there's a truth to that because it's like if you don't wear a seatbelt when you actually do crash eventually you'll die mm. and you'll pay for not having worn a seatbelt so there's this at play in reality and this is definitely something that's being dramatized in these myths mm. for the mm. early humans yeah which is there's a way to act in the world where things turn to work tend to work out well for us yeah and there's a way to act in the world where things tend to work out poorly yeah it's almost like someone is watching your actions Mm. and then making decisions based on them yeah whether you did well um or whether you did poorly maybe like santa claus were you naughty (laughs) or were you nice true are you going to get presents for being naughty or nice and so we can see this clearly um presenting itself universally Mm. 
you know, I find it interesting, especially with the three main flood myths that I've mentioned, that there's this very similar structure where we have the scene being said, you know, with that higher power, some mm. sort of God uh, and their feeling of, you know, wanting to kind of uh, cleanse the land and yeah. the earth due to sin, due to, you know, uh, mankind not really living up to what at least the the potential or the the the, the principles that God feels like they should be living to. Mm -hmm. And so through this, you know, we're bringing about chaos and disorder and destruction that's ultimate, ultimately leading to a new creation myth right. because once everything is wiped clean, what happens? But each of these kind of uh, myth heroes is tasked with, you know, setting the space for things to, to be regenerated. So mm. they're both uh, myths of destruction and creation at the same time. Right. And those two things are related. Yeah. Obviously, and we've talked yeah. about this quite a bit, <laughs> I think, already, but this... this notion that uh destruction paves the way for creation mm -hmm. and the, yeah. uh washing away um is part of the creative process mm -hmm. and that's sort of counterintuitive it's like how is destruction part of the creative process yeah. it's like well you generate mm -hmm. all this material mm -hmm. and that's sort of um how to phrase this you generate a bunch of material and then you need to edit it down and if you're a, if you're a writer for instance or mm. anyone who composes things mm. you, you understand this thing where it's like you generate a lot of material you write and write and write there's all these notes but you don't you're not done like okay i finished the book i just wrote like for like 20 days straight mm. it's like no you probably just have a mess of notes and now you need <laughs> to somehow edit those notes to right. take the form that you want you sculpt them and so there's this um process of generation and then there's sort of like editing generation editing and the flood is sort of this notion of like there's all this mess that's been generated yeah and the flood comes and it sort of edits that mess hmm. almost and that sculpts the world into the way maybe it ought to be hmm. causing some sort of revolution yeah 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 causing a um sort of new order to emerge yeah um and it depends i mean there's also just the flood that just like totally screws everything up and you never recover from it and that that, <laughs> yes, that happens certainly. to people yes. um but that's not really what's being depicted in this mythology no not say. not exactly in these stories um because they do lead to the new order being established mm -hmm. where um you know whoever we're following in the story um that kind of cultural myth hero is now being given um a path towards helping the um the world kind of come back to life mm. Um, but why are these individuals chosen? I think is an interesting question. Mm -hmm. You know, why is Noah chosen? Why is Deucalion chosen? Mm -hmm. What's going on here? What makes them different than everyone else who was populating the earth at that time? And often, um, what we see is that there's some element of connection to that God figure that makes them either favored by God or at least in some way, uh, reach reachable to the uh, from that kind of God consciousness into mm. the human form and they're given instructions of how to get through the flood and with Noah the idea is that he walks with God mm. and so he's been kind of you might say this like God-fearing man who's been living in accordance with with the reality that yeah. God wants him to live by and yeah. because of that you know there's something deep in his psyche that tells him you need to build the ark you need to get the animals you need to get your family mm -hmm. so symbolically you see that deep higher conscious as being able to prepare him for what's to come yeah. with the greek myth we have uh 
Deucalion, who's the uh, son of Prometheus. Mm. And it's Prometheus who kind of comes in and says, you have to build this chest and you and your wife are going to get in it. And you guys are going to like float across, you know, the flood and eventually, you know, you'll survive it. So interesting. Um, and similar with the Epic of uh, Gil- Gilgamesh, where we see the flood myth. Um, there's also a boat that's built and that comes from um, this other God coming in and saying, you know, to survive this, you need to build this boat. So we have these, uh, these things that are uh, kind of translated over to each of these heroes. And it's because they have some sort of dynamic connection to that God principle. Mm. Maybe you might, you know, relate that to kind of having themselves more grounded in a reality, more connected to deeper levels of consciousness, even mm. that allow them to sense the coming storm and prepare, maybe just having a greater awareness of, of how to be uh, more, grounded in what reality is, which is that you can't just pretend that nothing bad is ever going to happen. In fact, you have to prepare, you have to build the ark, even when the rain clouds aren't overhead. Right. So this, this structure that we're seeing, at least in these three myths, and we're just going to stick with three myths for now because we don't want to turn this into a two hour podcast, but, um, the flood is water specifically. Mm-hmm. Why water? Right. Well, yeah, such a powerful symbol. Yeah, I mean the ocean, the sea. Yeah, um, there's all this symbolic depth to it, and, and you can you can make sense why just sort of like visually, sort of like materially, it's like the water is being something that is sort of mysterious, and if there's a great amount of water, you can't see below it. Mm. But it's also the source of life. Yes, um, it's something that's always sort of raging. Uh, as far as the ocean and the sea goes, there's a mystery of like what's beyond the ocean. Mm. But it's also this this feeling um, of chaos. Yes, yes. Right, chaos and life yes. at the same time, Yeah, which is a strange combination. But you can understand why early humans and animals, for that matter, would have such a strong association with water as this thing that you are mm. searching for mm. to survive. But like don't fall in. Right. Or you'll drown. And yeah. It's like that's a weird combination of mm-hmm. ideas of like it's a source of life, but it's also dangerous. Well, it's a really prevalent symbol that usually represents the unconscious. Yeah. And we see it in dreams, um, in stories, certainly in myth as representing that highly dynamic, complex nature of 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 the creative and destructive force that which breeds life and that which takes life it's it's like the symbol of the ouroboros as well i feel where it's like this cyclical pattern of of that which we are born from yet at the same time where we return to right um so there's this eerie unknown mysterious dark depths to the floodwaters you know it's mm. not just like a little lake right it's evoking something powerful a natural force Mm -hmm. something that can come in and crash and just totally cleanse the land so in that same way when we consider the dynamics of the unconscious and how the like the floodwaters of our own psyche can just spill over and take control and leave Mm -hmm. us feeling completely lost and ungrounded or drowning even sure you know i think that's why we have seen the development of of that watery ocean element as being so powerfully representative of that which is a part of us yet we cannot control Right. So the unconscious, I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at this. 
And something else that's important to to acknowledge is that these these myths that are emerging, mm. this is sort of before what we think of as modern consciousness. Sure, you might say yes, it's yes. like yeah. it's yeah. it's easy to think. Well, people three thousand years ago they had conversations like Lewisai and Lewisai mm. and I are having now, right? Mm. They just talk to each other about stuff. Yeah, it's like no, nah, that's probably not really true. Um, maybe the ancient Greeks. <laughs> Maybe, but even then, it's like you have to understand that our our language has evolved mm. in such a way that we have all these these words that articulate these very deep meanings, and there's a very literal sort of materialist approach that we have now to reality, thanks to science of like making sense of what's real and what's not. Yeah. But in the past, they're essentially just intuiting these mm-hmm. images. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just sort of this drama yes. that emerges. Yes. And it's not just like, well, why did you write that? It's like, oh, well, I wrote this because obviously the ocean represents the unconscious. Right. It's like people 3,000 years ago, aren't they, they have no idea what they're doing even. Right. They're yes. just sort of um, giving birth to these mm. things mm. and they evolve on their own. And mm. you tell a story to someone and they retell the story yes. and other people retell the story and the story spreads. And as it spreads, people do a better job of telling it or they, the, the person who tells the good story passes on the story because people want to hear the good yes. story. The person who does a bad job telling the story and they <laughs> add a little spin off like, oh, and like, you know, Noah had six arms for some reason. It's like <laughs> that might not get passed on. It's like, why? It's like, cause it doesn't make sense in the story. So no right. one's going to retell it with the six arms, mm-hmm. but they might stick with the arc as like, yes, that's a powerful symbol. Yeah. We like that. Yeah. So stories have a, like a, a life of their own. They evolve mm-hmm. over time, but a lot of these myths, they're just being dramatized. Yeah, yeah. They're not being like very consciously written because mm. they very specifically want to evoke yeah. this specific thing. Mm-hmm. They're just sort of coming into being. Mm. Um, and so the ocean as something that is intuited, water yeah. as something that's intuited, mm. there, there is, um, I mean, you know, water is what carved the Grand Canyon. Yeah, yes. It has this incredibly powerful force to shape the world. Sure. Um, if you're living someplace where there are seasons, mm. you know, there are crazy floods that happen and they do come around and they might come around every year and yeah, they just yes, yeah. destroy things. Yeah. Yeah. Flash um, floods. Flash floods and yeah. like the rivers rising up like yeah. very high all of a sudden. And that's something that would have definitely been on a lot of people's minds of this, the possibility of this thing happening. But there is also this notion of chaos. That's a psychological thing where if you're damming a river, for instance, you are some sense holding back the waters mm-hmm. and that's, very similar to how our psychology works often is the psychology, the unconscious is being held back by these mm, barriers. Interesting. Yeah. And we hold the water back because why it's like, cause we can't handle all the water yeah, at once. Yeah, yeah. We have to keep it controlled and contained. And, um, if you find yourself having a panic attack, for instance, mm-hmm. there is some notion of like, you are, you've broken the dam. Yeah. The waters are flowing in mm. And you are just going to be totally submerged in chaos, yeah. overwhelmed with all the uh, the contents of your unconscious. Yeah. And it's like water rushing in and drowning mm. you. Mm. Um, and uh, another way to think about it is there's this uh, something that happens when um, when things fall apart in your life. And again, this is talking about the flood. It's like a disaster. It's also tapping into this notion of uh, the tarot card, the tower. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. disaster strikes yeah. or, or things go wrong. Mm-hmm. And there's an experience in your life where it's like things can collapse in a very uh, just psychological way. And in a very sudden way. In a very sudden way. Yes. Yeah. But it doesn't yes. necessarily need to be material. No. No. Um, no. For instance, if you know, this is a cliche, exa- cliche example, but if you find out that your partner has been cheating on you. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's a collapse that happens there mm -hmm. and it's just like suddenly you don't know what's real anymore mm -hmm. your life's a lie this yeah. whole notion of like my life has been a lie it's yeah. like what's happening it's like you've fallen from a price of like dry land where yeah. you feel secure yeah and you've fallen into the ocean of chaos mm -hmm. and now you're just like drowning and you're just like i have no idea what's real anymore yeah I can't make sense of my life what the hell am i gonna do right same thing might happen if you lose your job and you like have no other options yeah. it's like suddenly you've fallen into the ocean of chaos yeah you're overwhelmed by mm. unmapped territory yeah. and you're just drowning in all this um essentially just like unexplored information you haven't mapped it out mm. and that's this, this feeling of the water coming in and rushing in pouring into your life right that's that's the feeling of the flood or when the tower falls that it brings you back to this undifferentiated chaos right. the the depths of the unconscious realm where you have not sorted through things and you mm. do not know which way to go or how to rebuild or what any of this means and that brings such an incredible destabilizing force that it feels like everything has crumbled um yeah. you know what's interesting about the tower just as as a symbol and as an archetype is that when it collapses when this catastrophic event happens you're usually able to look back and see how compromised the structure always was right. or maybe how it had been failing over time yeah. yet you hadn't been paying attention or you'd right. been ignoring it, denying it, uh, just wanting to push it out of your sphere right. of responsibility and yeah. awareness and just pretend it away. But mm -hmm. those things always, always boomerang back to you. Yeah. So the tower is often, it's like, yeah, this could be something that you just could have never seen coming. Right. And this is just kind of a wheel of fortune, I would say, actually. Yeah. Go listen to that episode. <laughs> That's when things happen. It's like, man, why? <laughs> like, what can you even right. connect right. this to? But that's why it's different in the tarot, right? It's like, well, we've got the wheel to kind of encompass those experiences that just happen and it's fate and it's destiny. Right. Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, whatever. Yeah. But the tower, there's there's something at play here that's that that those bricks have been built by your hands. Mm. And not just your hands, other mm. people's, right? right? In in connection to others, you've built towers or internal sort of psychic towers, you know, yeah. the foundations of your own emotionality. Right. But something has been breaking down for some time and finally it collapses. Right. And what do you do as you stand in the destruction of that scene? What, yeah. what do you realize? What comes to light? What is the revelation? And right. often it's that uh, something needed to be changed in the first place. And now the destructive force has kind of taken it upon its hand to rip down that structure. And now it's time to move forward. Right, right. So this is another aspect of this dynamic is what you're saying is that the, the lack of preparation, mm, uh, mm -hmm. the cracks yeah. in your structure that you are not paying attention to. Um, I mean, again, the, the flood, you could interpret this even, you know, just totally literally. Yeah. Um, it's like, are you prepared for the flood? Mm. And let, let's say you, uh, you're an early human and you just have all this grain that you've been harvesting and you've been harvesting it all summer and you just got it all piled up in this like really safe spot and mm -hmm. you're just like good i'm set for the winter mm -hmm. and then this like surprise storm comes through mm. and the grain's all washed away yeah and you're just like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna die now I'm like whoops yeah. like i yeah. should not have just left the grain out like that i should have found a way to put it in some kind of container mm. or elevate it somehow mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. i don't even know but like i'm dead now you know, like right. that's serious shit is that yeah. like <laughs> all my food got washed away. 
Um, right. So often in like mythology or even folklore, we kind of see like woven into these stories. Uh, how do you say like tenets of how to be yeah. <laughs> ways to survive, yeah. uh, practical advice, yeah, it's, you know, it's very survival oriented. Yeah, survival oriented. It's not just survival of the individual. Yeah. You can check out my series, the torch, if you want to explore this more, but survival <laughs> of the tribe, survival yeah, yeah. of your lineage, right, a lot yeah, of the preparation community. you're doing in this lifetime is for your children's right, right, uh, right. well-being, not necessarily your own. So, yeah. um, anyways, a lot of these myths, well, I mean, everything early on, and we tend to forget this because we just think of life in the context of our own modern lifestyle of like, what's important? It's like, oh, having fun and feeling yeah. good. But like, oh, all of this is survival oriented. Right. Yeah. Survival yeah. of the tribe. Mm. And so a lot of these myths, a lot of these stories that are pointing at strategies, um, uh, just sort of tips almost for like how the tribe can survive and the things that you need to do in order for the tribe to survive. Mm. And that's what God wants from you. Yes. That reminds me in, in the Mesopotamian, you know, um, myth and the flood myth here. Um, I'm going to totally butcher his name. Utnapishtim. That's like his name. It's not actually Gilgamesh. It's another guy. Anyways, he's tasked, you know, by the God to create the Mm. ship and it's called the preserver of life. Right. So it's really to me evoking that feeling of passing on the torch or mm. holding like the the seed of creation, mm. you know, because despite God or some gods being angry and wanting to destroy the world, you yeah. know, or those who inhabit it, yeah. there's still a sense that life can continue should it maybe shift a little bit, yeah. maybe evolve to kind of get back into some sort of... Uh, more balanced relationship with reality. Right. So that preserver of life, building our ark, our ship, the chest of possibility, you know, that, that takes us through the flood mm. is, is that which is the, the preserver of, of the future generations of, of culture and community to survive for family and lineage to keep growing. It's absolutely necessary on this deeply uh, instinctual level as well on this more heartfelt human connective dynamic. It's like, we must learn from our parents. We need to learn from the elders. What does it take to survive in this land? What mm-hmm. does it take to survive into the future? Otherwise we're, we're caught in a cycle where we're just barely getting by and yep. humans are, humans are just built to be like evolutionary powerhouses, you yep. know, and the stories reflect that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so, um, you can, relate this notion of needing to prepare or of the cracks in the foundation being revealed by the flood um, to the current moment, I would Mm -hmm. say. The pandemic, again, is a good um, manifestation of this flood archetype Mm. um, of something that comes along and for at least for the individual and just like at the localized level, it's like you have no control over this. Yeah, It's like it just has arrived and it's totally thrown your life for a loop Mm. a lot of people have been seriously seriously um just destroyed by the pandemic yeah Um, impacted in ways that just echo into all these areas of life right right. i mean people who were working for instance like in like the entertainment or service industry especially it's just like your job's gone yeah and you know the response is well how long is it gone it's like "Mm, we don't know maybe a year or two it's like what? (laughs) what the hell am i supposed to do in the meantime um but it's just again it's like the person with uh, gra- the grain mm-hmm. and the flood comes along and washes it all away. It's like, all right. my food's gone. It's like the pandemic comes along and now your job's gone. Right. And it's like the same equivalent. It's like the same thing. I'm like, I lost my uh, source for survival. Mm. What the hell am I going to do? And it's like, 
there is in some sense like, well, you should have been prepared for this. Well, right. The question is like, well, did you have an emergency fund? Right. Did you save up money just in case you ever <laughs> yeah, lost your job? Right. Um, yeah. Do you have any backup vocational stuff that right. you can rely yeah. upon? And, you know, it's, it's not fair to say, well, every if you are messed up by the pandemic, it's your fault. It's like, it's not Certainly really what not. we're saying. Yeah. Definitely not saying this is a very, very weird occurrence. Yeah. I mean, how could you prepare for this? Even if you knew it was coming, even if someone told you, hey, five years from now, this is going to happen, like you still wouldn't really be prepared for what this is because yeah. you, you can't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but still, the pandemic is a good example of of it washes away a lot of the things that aren't grounded very well. Mm, yeah. And a lot of yeah. the things that are grounded really well remain. Mm. And you can see it in like relationships. Mm, um, mm, mm. A lot of the relationships that you might have that are actually pretty superficial Hmm. they're shallow they might even be pretty narcissistic by which i mean like the relationship is just completely founded on like pleasure-seeking activity yeah that's it self-serving yeah um those relationships just fall away in a situation like this and they probably have and for a Mm. lot of you listening it's like what are the relationships you've maintained in this situation it's like i bet the ones that are actually really strong and solid and were really based on reliability uh truth on respect yeah um those relationships are probably strengthened right now Mm. or at least they haven't disappeared because of this Mm. and probably a lot of the relationships you had that that actually weren't really based on much accountability or honesty Mm. um or respect a lot of those relationships probably just washed away yeah yeah because they weren't that important to begin with and that's what the flood does Mm. the things that really either don't matter or they're not strong yeah those get washed away Mm. and there's problems with that because a lot of what gets washed away is actually really useful to you and you need it and that sucks and it would have been nice if you were more prepared for it but at the same time it's also an opportunity because uh it washes away a lot of things that maybe shouldn't have been there to begin with Mm. and if Mm. if you have relationships for instance that actually weren't very strong they were pretty superficial and the pandemic came and washed them away maybe they weren't worthwhile to begin with. Yeah. Maybe one of your activities that you were engaged in weren't worthwhile to begin Mm. with. And maybe you've stopped doing some of those things in favor of a more spiritual pursuit Mm. of making Mm. sense of who you are and kind of like what's real and maybe a sense that uh, the world is actually in trouble and really needs you. That might have entered into your life during this time. And the flood has that effect. Yeah. Um, You know, the flood hero is a hero. So there's some... Mm. There's some evoking of that archetypal consciousness that requires us to step up and to kind of raise the standards of our own being to kind of leave the safety of Mm. where we've been to face chaos, to have courage, to be humble, to recognize our foolishness and our weaknesses and our blind spots, but to not succumb to that, but instead to sort of strengthen and then to accept guidance, you Mm. know, whether that comes from, you know, like the wise teacher who's kind of coming in trying to guide, you know, the hero forward or the, you know, the God in the sky who speaks to you and says, this is how you'll survive this. The hero recognizes that, he doesn't have all the answers, uh, that they don't exactly know how to move forward and how to develop. And yet there is the feeling that you're you're going to be able to do it. You're mm. going to figure it out. And through that process, you leave certain things behind just naturally. Yeah. You know, so the hero does leave the hometown where everything's kind of easy and things are just sort of flowing mm. for something greater. And so when these really um, kind of 
powerful events take place, whether it's as catastrophic as the flood or maybe this sort of, you know, new, exciting, adventurous opportunity that's opening up, we have to embrace that, that uh, the, the potential of, of what the hero really offers to us. And that requires that we do really look around and see what doesn't fit anymore, who, who were kind of defining ourselves at this moment, which is actually possibly a, a, ver- a version that's limited. Mm. Right. So the, in these stories, the hero is an interesting aspect of this. Mm-hmm. It's like the hero mm-hmm. is warned. Yes. And that's, that's sort of interesting. It's like yeah. he's, he's told like, Hey, this is going to happen. You need yeah. to prepare for this, yeah. which is a little different than like, well, the hero just like finds a way to defeat the flood. Right. Like the flood is started and he's just building a right. boat and getting the animals. Or on. he just like punches the flood and it like <laughs> goes away or something like that. You know, it's like, there's a lot of stories like that where it's like the flood happens and like the hero just solves it. Right. But like in these stories, it's like, no, the hero doesn't solve it. Yeah. No, it's a very different type all, of hero. All he can do is survive yes. while everyone else dies. Yes. Um, and yeah. it's 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 an interesting story, and it's like, can you imagine like one of our like Marvel movies like <laughs> having this plot where it's like Iron Man, like Thanos is coming. It's like, what what should I do? It's like Iron Man just build a rocket ship and fly away. Right. It's like, what? Why is he running away? Mm. And it's like, well, these myths are depicting something. It's like sometimes you can't stop this. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The flood is coming, and it's like good luck overpowering the flood. Mm. And that's, I mean, that is how life often is. And that, I mean, again, talking about like the wheel of fortune, like fate, mm. things are going to go wrong and maybe there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. Like what could you have solved the pandemic? Mm. No, mm. not really, but could you prepare for it in some way? Yeah. 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 It's interesting. You know, if we're thinking about very classic hero archetype as that adventure and uh, this very external action oriented kind of picking up the sword and fighting the dragon, mm. defeating, uh, taking on the challenges, punching the flood, as you say, which is yeah, ridiculous. That, work, but right? e- even just you saying that makes me think of those very classic heroes. Like, what yeah. does Hercules do? Like, how does he like overcome nearly all of his trials? It's mm-hmm. like he's gonna strong arm it. Like, he's gonna figure out how to kill the Hydra, right? right. Um, but these flood myth heroes have a different relationship to the challenge mm. that's happening. And they're also like nurturing and holding on to something that's kind of been given to them from God, from this powerful universal force. And so in some ways, maybe I'll throw out this question to you, Aaron. Mm. Is it a feminine hero, these flood myths that we see? You know, like Noah is holding all of the potentials of life. He's gestating that on the ark and and they, they protect it or he's holding it in some way, right? He's got the seed of life. Maybe we have like a double kind of masculine feminine going on. This is where things obviously are not black and yeah. white, but I mean, it's never black and white. No. It, there's always a masculine feminine going on in, in everyone and in everything. Mm. And, um, depends how you look at it. The masculine feminine question is one that's like always kind of like, well, you could just flip it on its head and <laughs> see it's masculine or you could flip it again and see it's feminine depending yeah. on how you look at it. Yeah. Um, I do think that the sort of notion of like protecting something within you, like protecting a, a again, like a torch that you need to carry. Mm. And that's like a, a very feminine thing. It's like sort of like um, carrying what is most important inside of you yeah. and getting it to safety somehow and raising it up and nurturing it. It's mm. like a very feminine journey. That's like almost like the heroine's journey. Mm. Um, so it's sort of like, um, uh, giving birth and protecting well, the child. And it's also often one of diplomacy mm. rather than uh, fighting <laughs> we see with the 
sure. with the typical masculine hero. So yeah. there is like this diplomatic thing that's happening between them and these God figures, right? Yeah. It's like, well, Noah, you walk with God, you've kind of proven yourself like mm. this is what you need to do. And it's like, okay, so I'll do this. It's like, yes. And then God kind of forgets about him and he floats around. But eventually it's like, oh yeah, Noah on the ark with all the animals and his family. It's like, mm. okay. And now you kind of move out and you've been holding all of these uh, as I said, like these seeds, these potentials for life to be re-sown and, and born again. Mm. And you see that with these three three main um, flood myths as well, like Deucalion and his wife actually, you know, are uh, given the, they, they choose to repopulate mankind. And so they throw these like stones over their back and every stone that Deucalion throws over his shoulder yeah. turns into a man and his wife throws the stones over her shoulder and they become uh, women. And so they start to repopulate. So Right, they build the new world. Yeah, they build the new world. So there's a very interesting dynamic that's going on there um, where we're kind of, I don't know, sort of dancing between the worlds of the, the courageous typical hero and that of, of, the, of the heroine's journey as well. Yeah, it's a much more cosmic hero's journey, mm. almost one of like you're charged with rebuilding the world. Yeah. It's like, that's pretty heavy. Super and, like, heavy. We don't really, we don't really see that necessarily in yeah. the typical hero's journey myth that we yeah. discuss. Though there is of course the notion of like, um, navigating chaos and mm. bringing about a new order that yeah. the hero is always engaged in where, you know, you defeat Sauron and mm. you conquer the chaos of Sauron and you create a new order yeah. and uh, you save the world in that sense. But this is almost like the world is being destroyed yeah. and you are charged with uh, not being destroyed and mm. carrying the light to the new world where mm. you will rebuild it yeah. out of the uh, corpse of the old one, Yeah, which is a little, it's a little more heavy, a little more cosmic. Well, and yeah, it's interesting you say that because in the Greek myth, um, either like Zeus or like an oracle tells him that, you know, to repopulate the world, you have to throw the bones of your mother behind your shoulder. Mm. And then they try to think about what that means. And they relate that to the goddess Gaia, AKA mother earth. So they pick up the stones. Yeah. So from the skeleton, literally of, you know, her being, yeah. they rebuild. So, right. So that's again, tapping into this kind of, um, this huge source of meaning, uh, I think for people in general is the hero's journey, right? It's like, it's like, uh, confronting the chaos of the world, mm. venturing into it, um, having the courage to venture into that chaos and trying to bring some order to that chaos, yeah. trying to, uh, construct some like, sort of habitable, habitable order for mm -hmm. the people that you love, um, for yourself. And that there's a great deal of meaning that if you actually take on the responsibility of doing this, your life will be more meaningful mm -hmm. if you're going to, um, in some sense, confront the flood and navigate through it on a boat and make it to the new world, that's an incredibly meaningful thing to do that you would want to do. So there's like that aspect of it. There's Noah as this hero who um, needs to build a new world. But I think this is universal. This is always true. But I mean, especially right now, I feel like people should be able to resonate with this feeling of like, maybe the world's ending <laughs> and yeah. maybe you... Like you as in you, like I'm yeah. talking to you, it's like you might have the responsibility for building the new world mm. or making sure that the light doesn't go out, making yeah. sure the torch doesn't extinguish yeah. um, and carrying the tradition of the old world or whatever you need to take from the old world, the corpse of the old world, the corpse right. of your parents. Right. And you are responsible for building the new world. Right. And a lot of people alive today, I think you, you probably find a lot of meaning 
in embodying that myth mm. and, and saying, um, things are screwed up right now and maybe it's up to me to kind of figure out how to make things not so screwed up. Yeah. And maybe, maybe the world, uh, maybe it's about time for some sort of revolution of mm-hmm. some kind. I think revolutions are a really dangerous thing to consider, but they're not always violent in some sense. Mm-hmm. There are revolutions that happen that can be really good. Um, and there might be a time of revolution approaching in which like you are charged and I am charged and we're all charged in some sense with building the new world and to take on that responsibility is something that's going to be a gigantic source of meaning. Um, and, uh, there's all these little mini floods that are going to happen in your life. And, you know, things like a breakup is like a mini flood in mm-hmm. some kind of way. It's like your relationship collapses. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to like, you're going to build a new world out of the dead relationship. Mm. Um, and you can expand that out and like, you know, um, you lose your job, um, your car, you get in a car crash. Uh, maybe you get injured really badly. There's all these little things that happen to you where it's like that. Okay. Well that, that old world is over and the new world is now like it needs to begin and you're responsible for building that new world and that's really the journey of life and that's really what meaning comes from all right for this dream portion of the podcast we're going to examine one of Alyssa's dreams, and mm-hmm. she regularly has dreams with floods or yeah. tidal waves yeah. or tsunamis. Yeah, something like that. Or storms <laughs> or what else? <laughs> Things having to do with yeah. the chaos of water. Right. Yeah, the chaos of water. Yeah, that's a good way to think of it. And this is one of those dreams. I am walking through the town I live in. To my left is the ocean and to the right, a park near my house. As I look across the beach, I am shocked to see that a large tidal wave appears to be hanging in midair, ready to crash down onto the shore. The water is filled with things, whales, fish, people. They are all suspended in the waves. The entire coast is like this and I feel frightened. I turn to someone and ask them what happened. He says the city has been taking huge amounts of water out of the ocean, throwing off the natural balance. Tons of people are gathered on the beach, transfixed by the scene. I feel worried that the water will soon unfreeze and come crashing down to kill those gathered. No one seems to realize the danger, and the sense of terror heightens in me. I can't seem to get anyone to leave the beach, so I turn towards the park, knowing I need to move inland and east to safer ground. How recently was this? September 26th. Okay, so pretty recently. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, impending doom. Yeah. In the form of water. Yeah. So, the flood. Right, the flood. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. But taking the form of something a little more like uh, magical and 
strange, right? <laughs> Were you saying the water was frozen? And... Yeah. Well, what actually the water was like moving. It's hard to ex- explain it, but it's basically like as if this huge tidal wave was, uh, you know, like when a tsunami happens and the mm. water sort of draws out. And as it comes, right. it's just like this giant wave that's curling down. Yeah. That's what it looked like. And it was mm. hovering in air. So it wasn't in motion of crashing down onto mm. the water. It was kind of suspended, frozen, but everything in like the water itself was still moving. Like everything was alive. Yeah. And there was like fish. I could see like a, like the tail of a whale. There were like people as if they had been swimming in it like really strange imagery but they're all there they're in the water still but they're all kind of like frozen with the wave itself Mm. so there's some really intense natural phenomena that's happening like this isn't just a normal wave but it's all frozen in this moment and i'm just staring at it and so are all these people Mm. so there's this incredible sense of doom and terror and uh just feeling really horrified honestly is like what the emotion was in the Mm. dream and feeling like something is coming and people can kind of see it yet at the same time they don't seem to understand it the way i do right so there is just the moment the lockdown the pandemic Mm -hmm. the election Mm. potential for civil unrest yeah uncertainty of the future Mm. that's all at play here certainly um what else what, what other context yeah. for you? Um, this was right around the time that I was offered an opportunity to move from yeah. where we live mm-hmm. here in the Bay Area. And I'm contemplating this idea. I'm pretty sure I'm going to do it, which is moving inland and moving east, Yeah. Um, which to me is carrying this feeling of being kind of safer and a little bit more tucked away. Yeah. We do actually live near the ocean here. Not that I think there's going to be a natural disaster, but this is just an area that has a lot more tension collectively, Yeah. you know? Um, and I think the feeling that it's that just having this opportunity rise in yeah. my consciousness is that something is calling me inland And maybe even other people kind of need to disperse too is kind of how it feels like as we gather, especially in the cities here, just with all the tension Mm. that, uh, that feels like a little bit of a pressure cooker. Right. So there's something that's really calling me. And the feeling is that I want other people to see it too. In fact, I want other people to come with me yet. That's probably not going to happen. Well, this, I mean, this mythology in your unconscious really mirrors the mythology where we were just discussing mm-hmm. is um, this feeling that maybe you could just punch the wave <laughs> and defeat it and save all these people yeah. is something that you're kind of trying to do. Right. You're one, you want to warn them. Yeah, yeah. You're saying like, get out of the way, run. Yeah. Uh, you want to defeat the wave almost mm. if you could, but you can't. No. Uh, mm. So what can you do? Mm. Um, all you can do is run. Yeah. And there's a lot of guilt maybe that's associated with that. It's like mm-hmm. you would like to help other people and you would like people to come with you. Yeah. Um, but maybe you have no power there. Mm. And I think uh, the stasis of the wave mm. is interesting. I'm not really sure how to interpret that. I mean, it's so obvious if it's floating above you. It's like you want to say, look. Look, everyone, can't you see this huge thing? It's like yeah. it's there and it's bad and it's going to come crashing down. Like, why isn't anyone else running? Yeah. 
Um, so there's maybe this perception that you are, are seeing and feeling something that the people that you care about or the people around you, um, or even strangers that you kind of just feel compassion towards in mm, general, yeah. that they don't see what you see and they're in trouble and there's nothing you can do to help them. Yeah. And so there's like this uh, powerlessness and impotence mm. that is part of the dream. Yeah, certainly there's like that feeling that there's nothing that I can do uh, to help others in it. And um, I don't know. Um, I think it's very interesting when you when you look at dreams and you start to sort of pull apart their themes. And I have had other dreams that are kind of similar to this, both like, oh, there's this huge tidal wave and like it seems like it's going to come crash and then it kind of hits and it's actually like this like light, just like uh, flowing of water at people's feet. But this is a little bit different. And the feeling, if I'm to like really lean into the kind of more subtle tones of this dream is very deeply archetypal and taking me a little bit outside of myself. It's mm. like a little bit personal. There are some other elements, but it feels very collective in nature. Yeah. Um, and like my focus on recognizing the scene and the danger of the scene and the archetypal motif that's just so obvious in this really kind of speaks to that typical archetypal dream, which is that, yes, there's lots of personal material that's happening, but it the unconscious is sort of like amplifying it to this higher place where maybe the considerations outside of just your own personal sphere of awareness and impact should also be considered as you kind of work to interpret the dream, which... I don't know. What does that really say to me? It's like, I think sometimes people with, with the awareness that we have both internally, but also externally do have these dreams that seem to speak to like a greater collective pattern mm-hmm. and, um, very interesting phenomena as an example, when like the big world wars were happening or right before they really broke out, there are some really intense dreams and including, uh, Carl Jung had this, like these like waves of like blood dreams where it was like mm. something cr- is crazy is going on. Mm. Something's about to happen. And then like world war one, I, I think broke out or world war two. I'm not sure. I think it was mm. one, but anyways, all of that is to say that, uh, there are times that I, when I think a more collective stream is sort of flowing through your dreams. Yeah. Well, there's definitely implicit patterns in the world that people are picking up on. Mm. Um, we don't really, pay much attention to this obviously because by definition it's not something that you can really pay attention to but like your body is paying attention to patterns mm. there's little things that you're noticing around you that are giving you signals that something is happening or something is going to change yeah. and if you are open to your intuition if you're open to your gut level unconscious feelings and allowing it to express itself which mm. is i think you are mm-hmm. for instance more so than i am because i'm heavily like conscious consciousness fixated mm which means I might be ignoring a lot of the implicit patterns going on around me. Um, I think it's definitely possible that a lot of people can be picking up on the same invisible patterns Mm. that Mm -hmm. are speaking to something is coming. Though, honestly, that feeling of like impending doom, it's like, it's not really a secret. It's (laughs) it's not, if you are um, paying attention at all, you're going to see this. Mm. Um, Mm In fact, how could you not have this feeling? Like, is there really anyone out there who's just like, everything is fine? Or that meme, like, this is fine. <laughs> um, probably not. It's kind of yeah. hard to escape this notion of like, uh, there's a lot of things converging right now. Yeah, and yeah. 
uh, how concrete is the end of days that people are feeling? Mm. Is it just panic? Yeah. And there's nothing behind it. Yeah. Is it panic breeding more panic? Mm. Is it contagious? Mm. Is it people just losing their minds on Twitter and mm. there's nothing actually behind it? <laughs> or is it something concrete that yeah. is approaching us that we can't make sense of, but we can feel it? Right. Well, the interesting kind of little uh, entry point into that uh, topic of, of discussion, I think, is in the dream where I like turn to this person. And I'm like, what happened? What's going on? <laughs> and, and they say, um, the city has been taking like huge amounts of water out of the ocean. So like to me, it's like when I think back to this, oh, right. it was okay. something's being like siphoned out hmm. of the water and specifically the person says like this natural balance, the natural order, mm. which when we think about the flood myths, it's like, why is God angry? It's right. like something's been thrown off here. Right. And when that happens, especially by the hand of mankind, which is thought of sometimes as like we, we've been sinful in some way, like yeah. we've been acting in uh, ways that are not virtuous. And, right. and, and sometimes that's, we think it's in service to something good, hmm. maybe in the development of our own culture or whatnot. But in reality, it's like we've maybe gotten a little bit out of relationship with with that sense of, of, of virtue, hmm. of what is true and what is real. And there's some sort of dynamic of that in this dream where the my unconscious is using that symbol to say like some greater force is throwing off a balance here right. and people are kind of caught in it. They're sort of like fascinated by it, right? Like everyone's just transfixed, just staring at this. Yeah. And, um, and, and, yeah. and that's bringing that like impending doom. Right. There's kind of a tower of Babel thing going on mm. when you bring that up. Mm. So you're saying uh, the city is sort of messing with the natural order. Yeah. Uh, like the, the balance of things. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the city as like a collective, it's not just one individual. Right. It's, it's not like, even like it's the government. Right. Like it was just like the collective. Right. Yeah. And the city is doing something. It's messing with something that it shouldn't be messing mm -hmm. with. And it's sort of this hubristic, like, yeah. you know, again, like Icarus thing, the, the, yeah, the yeah. height of the wave. Going upward, there is this feeling of like it's too tall. Interesting, going interesting. like the Tower of Babel was going high right. up. Don't fly Ic too high. Icarus is, is flying too high. Yeah. Um, maybe that's part of this, but it's sort of the elevation of the wave. There is this feeling of like mm. um, going way too high up, and like higher up you go, the higher up you go, the harder you, you are going to fall. Mm. And so the higher up this wave is going, the harder is going to come crashing mm. down. Mm. And with the Tower of Babel, it's like you're building this huge tower. It's yeah. a tower and like, is anyone paying attention to the, like the idea that the tower might collapse? Yeah. What's going to happen when the tower collapses? Like, it's the same thing with the wave. It's like, is anyone paying attention to how high this wave is going? Mm -hmm. yeah. I am. It's like, what happens when it crashes? It's yeah. like, what are you talking about? Like, it's like, <laughs> like we're in the wave and it's fun. Like, I'm just like surfing the wave. It's like, yeah, but what, what about when the wave comes down? It's like, not thinking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe that's a point. Maybe that's a knot in your unconscious, but that's um, the, uh, the sins of the city, the sins of the society, mm. of the collective mm -hmm. messing with nature yeah. and constructing something that should not be there. Yeah. Um, but again, combined with like nature, like the wave is, is water, it's the yeah, ocean. Yeah, it's yeah. not like you're seeing like a giant like monster truck that's like right coming down over the city. It's like, well, that's humans building stuff. It's like 
it, it is still like the uh and, and maybe that ties into your unconscious it's like maybe you feel the weight of your you know gut level unconscious chaos that's going to flood over you if you don't leave mm. maybe you're overwhelmed by the stress of being here mm-hmm. maybe you're overwhelmed by all the conflict in your life yeah um i think you can can certainly be tapping into both like a subjective and objective level here yeah. where it's like how does this relate to me in mm-hmm. what ways have i felt like the natural order of my life has been thrown off yeah. why would i even be considering leaving my home if things were great right because yeah. that's so it's we're now we're playing multi-dimensionally which is good and important because dreams can be like that it's like how are these aspects all me mm-hmm. how have i been like building up something that needs to kind of crash down which to me is like the decision to leave um is is throwing like everything out of sorts yet it feels like as per the flood myth this destruction will bring a new order and i need to go inland like i need to follow that calling like god like something in me um, that voice is, is urging me forward and is kind of, you know, I'm not building an arc or anything like that, but I'm getting away before the floodwaters really come. So, you know, I, I think both, uh, one foot in, in how I'm viewing like the collective experience and a commentary on that, you might say, and my own inner fears or projections while at the same time representing this own internal dynamic. Do you have a question for us? Do you have a dream you'd like us to analyze? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover? We want to hear from you. Contact us through a submission form, which can be found at our Instagram page at Golden Shadow Podcast. Or if you're listening on YouTube, you can find the link in the description down below. Thanks for listening. See you later. If you find this podcast useful, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash golden shadow podcast. Thank you.